Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And here we are again with episode 270 of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. There can be nothing more devastating for a parent than to learn their child has a brain tumor. Brain tumors are the most frequent solid tumors in children and the most common cause of childhood cancer deaths. Joining us today from upstate New York is Megan Hall, who is going to tell us the story of her daughter, Brooklyn, who was diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer almost three years ago. Megan, good of you to do this. We appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, your daughter was three when she was diagnosed in September of 2017. What were some of her symptoms prior to diagnosis? Uh, Honestly, she really didn't have a lot of symptoms. Um, She had... Uh, developed what we thought was a cold. Uh, She would sneeze and a ton of snot would come out. Um, And then she started walking a little funny. Um, It was about three days of symptoms. Um, We thought maybe she had an ear infection. Uh, Maybe that's why she was walking a little funny. Um, But nope, we took her to the emergency room. And (laughs) three days after the symptoms started, we found a baseball-sized tumor in her frontal lobe. And so before they even... Before they even did surgery, they told us it was cancer. What was that like? That must have been one hell of a shock for you. Oh, my God. It was the craziest 24 hours of my life. I mean, I went to work normal, came home, uh, took Brooklyn to the emergency room for what I thought was an ear infection. And within 24 hours, it was, you know, cancer. I've never heard that word before. But as soon as you hear it, it becomes your reality. Um, And then... Within you know twenty within that twenty four hour block, uh, we had an emergency craniotomy, um, and you know we had to say goodbye to Brooklyn. Uh, it was very traumatic, very traumatic. Now, did they get? <laughs> Sorry, Corey, go ahead. I was just going to ask what the actual diagnosis was. Um, she has anaplastic ependymoma, which is a rare reoccurring cancer. And so they they did the uh, resection, and then um, we didn't get the di- actual diagnosis for probably a week. Um, but as soon as soon as they took the tumor out, I mean, we were inpatient for thirty days, and then uh, and then we flew to St. Jude shortly after. Did they get the entire tumor out? Yep. The so the first her her resection, um, the base the tumor was so massive that Brooklyn. Like, if you look at her brain scans now, it kind of looks like she has half a brain um, because her brain just, like, developed around the tumor. They said that the tumor was probably there since birth, um, and it just slowly grew, um, which is terrifying. It's terrifying as a parent to see your child completely normal, you know, up to speed with everything. I mean, she knew her letters, her numbers, no problems, and then one day... It started with a sneeze, and then it turned out to be cancer. So, Megan, what was her prognosis uh, once they had done the surgery? What did they tell you? Um, After we did the surgery, they told us that, um, you know, she had the better type of cancer. Um, You know, it's not DIPG, so they thought that we had some 
some uh, promise there. So they suggested uh, radiation. Um, they suggested a uh, proton beam down at St. Jude. And I mean, they got the entire tumor out, but you know, cancer is uh, tricky <laughs> and evil and it hides. And so um, we had a pretty good summer, but then uh, Brooklyn's cancer returned. And when her cancer returned, they gave her a terminal prognosis. Um, we found out uh, a week before Christmas, this not this Christmas, but the past Christmas, um, we found out a week before that Brooklyn's cancer returned, um, that she developed three new tumors and they were inoperable. And they told us that uh, she might have six months and that this was probably our last Christmas together. Oh, wow. Boy, yeah, how, did, how, did that, uh, how did that hit you? Oh, man, it came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, you get hit with this the first time around, and there's no, no way to describe what happens to your life. It just stops. And then, uh, you know, you go through it, and you think you beat it, and then within less than a year of treatment, it came back times three. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of... Uh, you know, why the hell did this happen to me? Um, what did I just do to deserve this? What did my kid do to deserve this? Um, but Brooklyn, uh, when they found the three tumors and they told us that, that that was probably it. I mean, you know, you start grieving, you instantly start grieving and then it's really hard to turn that off. Now she underwent chemo and radiation. Yes. How did she react to that? Uh, radiation, uh, Radiation wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, we did radiation at St. Jude Children's Hospital in Tennessee. Um, and it was weird. Bro Brooklyn's uh, the first kid to go to St. Jude with this type of tumor in this location. Um, the size and the shape of it was very unique. Uh, most of the kids that get anaplastic ependymoma, their tumor lands on the brainstem. Brooklyn's uh, actually grew in the part of the brain that like mitigates danger. So how you, you know, dictate what's safe and what's not safe. Uh, Brooklyn's middle name is actually danger. And so. Is it really? Yeah. I, oddly enough, you know, I, I've never been a religious person. I've always been a spiritual person. And Brooklyn is the reason that I believe things happen for a reason, because the odds, the odds of that tumor growing in that part of the brain and her middle name being danger. I, I really feel like her journey is, is special and that there's, there's reason behind it. So, uh, St. Jude dropped us. Um, what do you mean dropped? What do you mean dropped you? Oh man, I can't, Ian, I can't even explain to you the devastation that comes with that. Um, so St. Jude is a research hospital, mm -hmm. so you have to fit inside their study bubble perfectly or you don't fit in the study. So Brooklyn, because her tumors came back and she had three tumors and not one tumor, she was dropped from the study. So we no longer are a St. Jude family. They uh, dropped us, told us that they couldn't really help us. And, th and that was it. But uh, it was a silver lining. You know, at the time, I couldn't see through the cloud of, of chaos, the, you know, the devastation. I couldn't see through it. But mm -hmm. Coming back to New York, um, medicinal cannabis is is here. So Tennessee, it's 100 percent 
illegal. But you come to New York and we uh, came here and they gave us a medical card and we started using cannabis. And uh, yeah, that's that's really I'm glad I'm glad that St. Jude dropped us because without that, we wouldn't have had the option for cannabis. How did you first (laughs) cannabis? Um, I had been re- I had been researching cannabis uh, for a while, um, but you know, as a St. Jude family, um, you know, you have to follow their protocol and their treatment plan. So, cannabis wasn't an option for us until we were dropped. Um, you know, they only research radiation and chemo. When your kid gets sick, the only thing they tell you is radiation or chemo. They don't give you any other options. Um, when when they told us that there were no options. Um, you know, we came back to New York. Our oncologist here offered uh, oral chemo. And, you know, a big part of you wants to believe the doctors because they know what they're talking about. And so we trusted them and we tried the oral chemo. But a big part of me, I, I don't know if it's like an inner voice, but I really wanted to try cannabis. And so I talked to my husband about it and, you know, I kind of swayed him to try it. Um we came back from St. Jude beginning of January. And uh, as soon as I was able to locate RSO, we started RSO um, at the end of January. And uh, she was using RSO through cannabis, or I'm sorry, through chemo. She was using it, um, but she did it for seven months. And the chemo was trying to break her cells down while the cannabis was trying to heal her cells. So they kind of like fought against each other for a good seven months. Uh, July 1st, last July, uh, my husband and I opted to end Big Pharma because the chemo was killing her. Um, her she had lost uh, like 12 pounds. Um, and when you only weigh, you know, 35 pounds, that's a big deal. Uh, we were talking about another surgery and uh, Brooklyn had a prescription for morphine. I think that that was the big kicker for me. Um, you know, we give our kids these things and we have no idea what's going to happen to them in 20 years or what the side effects are going to be in 20 years. Um, we, I, I tried to find a less invasive option, um, something that was better for her. And believe me, there's a lot of like, I don't know, inner guilt, you know, do I do this? Do I not do this? Is this the best thing for her? Am I doing this for her and not myself? You know, you have a lot of questions and a lot of what ifs, but there was something inside of me that just kept, I want I really believed in it. I had a lot of faith in it. And uh, within a week, I mean, ending big pharma and just doing the RSO, it was a huge turnaround. Um, she started talking again. She started eating again. I mean, she woke up and asked for two hot dogs. That was a big deal. Um, w- within a week, she was holding a full blown conversation with us. Whereas a week prior, uh, you know, on the oral chemo, she wasn't talking at all. She wasn't singing. She wasn't dancing. She was on the couch. And as soon as we cut that out and we just stuck to holistic care, she just completely did a 180. And it's been the most amazing thing to watch. Do you know, Megan, I can't, uh, I just can't perceive what it's like for a parent to see their child dying right in front of them. I mean, it. it it's just, it's, your story is is heartbreaking. It's not not the kind of hell you know you'd ever want to walk through. Yeah. I read something somewhere where it said that um, religious people 
are people that haven't been through hell, um, but people that are spiritual have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I think that's why I'm a spiritual person is because I have been through hell. I've sat there and watched my daughter slowly, you know, leave leave her body. She's just slowly dying in front of me, and it's been horrific. And you search for something, anything that's going to ease their pain or improve their quality of life. And this gave me everything. This gave me everything back. I mean, it completely changed the way I viewed life. Um, yeah, watching your kid slowly suffer, it it does something to you. And uh, knowing that childhood cancer only gets 4% of all the funding raised for cancer research, we're giving our kids the same <laughs> chemicals and poisons that we would give an adult. So Brooklyn's getting the same, like if I had the same brain cancer, I'm getting the same medicine she's getting. One of the medicines was so toxic that I couldn't feed it to her. My husband had to because it causes extreme birth defects. Uh, And because I can still carry children, um, her, her pee, her blood, her puke, everything was a hazard to me. So I couldn't touch anything of my daughter's. Um, But of course I did. (laughs) You just, you know instantly do it if she pukes you know you you run to help her so mm-hmm. uh w- one of the medicines was so nasty that that's I, that to me really killed me that the layer of guilt with chemo was just intense because i had to feed that to her i can't touch it but you want me to feed it to my daughter i mean in 30 years is she going to be able to have kids i have no idea i have no idea what what kind of side effects uh you know, her, her medical intervention is going to have when she gets older. So going to cannabis, I mean, it made the most sense to me. Uh, there's no long-term side effects. There's no short-term side effects, except that she sleeps. Um, or maybe she gets a little dizzy, but I mean, compared to chemo and radiation, I would take cannabis a hundred percent every time her quality of life improved a thousand percent, a thousand percent. And I wish that every parent, who goes through this would at least look at it as a third treatment option because our kids deserve way better than this. They deserve better. Megan, how many operations has, uh, has your daughter had? Um, she's had six brain surgeries and a seventh one for her port. Wow. That's, that's hard to believe. Where is she now, Brooklyn, as far as her cancer diagnosis? Um, now, now she's considered stable, actually two, Two out of the three tumors completely disappeared. Um, The third tumor last we saw was microscopic. I mean, they had a really hard time finding it. So as far as I know, they're completely gone. And they don't consider her cancer-free. They consider her stable. Um, Anaplastic pneumoma does reoccur. So right now, we're considered stable. But considering, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, they told me she had six months and that was it. Um, I just signed her up. You know, she she's in kindergarten now. She's going into first grade. Um, she's walking. I mean, we took the initial tumor out and she was in a wheelchair for four to five months. Couldn't couldn't walk. We had to reteach her how to do everything. Reteach her how to sit up, how to hold a cup, um, how to walk, how to run, how to go to the bathroom again on the toilet. Like we had to restart everything again. There must be a special. You- Sorry, go ahead, Corey. How much oil uh, do you give her a day? Uh, so in the beginning, obviously she had no tolerance. Um, she was five, I think 
when we started or four when we started cannabis. Um, no, she was five. I apologize. She was five. We started with a pin drop, a pin drop of RSO at night. Um, and then during the day, it kind of depended on what we were doing. See, as far as I know, there's not like really a protocol for kids. So I kind of based it off of what Brooklyn showed me. I watched her and uh, how she reacted to it. And we increased based on that. Um, if we had appointments during the day, we would just give her uh, like a balance, a THC, CBD, uh, one-to-one balance during the day. But whenever we were home, if we could, we would give her RSO and we would give her, you know, just a pin drop. We eventually worked her up to about the size of a grain of rice and we kind of held her steady on that dose. Um, more or less because, you know, I just, I just can't see her doing a gram of RSO a day at six years old. So we kind of just gave her uh, the size that we felt she was comfortable with that she could tolerate. And it's, it's done wonders for her. Megan, is she a happy child now? Oh, yeah. Well, she has a traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. um, from all of her uh, medical intervention. Um, so the frontal lobe controls your emotions, uh, your higher reasoning, and your impulse control. So Brooklyn, uh, her middle name is Danger, and she literally is the danger kid. <laughs> yeah. She runs right into danger. I mean, she's she's crazy. She's got no regrets. No regrets that kid. But uh, she's a very happy kid. She's a very happy kid. It's just she can't really control her emotions that well. So we're still working on that. When you talk about the frontal lobe, uh, does that mean that uh, she has a partial frontal lobe? Yeah, like she, like Ian, if you saw her scans, um, she's got basically like half a brain. I mean, there's a full brain in there, but it, it was so squished on one side of her head that there, we call it the void now, mm-hmm. but there is a massive space in her head. Um, it's just full of fluid. So she has a shunt. Um, this is actually her third shunt. We've had a lot of issues with the shunts, uh, mostly because of the amount of fluid that's in her brain. So that the frontal lobe trauma may be something we have to deal with forever, which is another reason that we were careful about the dosing uh, as far as the RSO went, because, you know, with a TBI, it's it's really hard, especially with a child. She doesn't really understand a lot of what's happened to her. Um, so we had a lot to balance. Now, when you talk about uh, the, the frontal lobe, there's a thing called brain plasticity, which allows the brain to grow. Uh, is there an opportunity for that to happen? Well, Brooklyn's a unique case. Uh, every doctor we've really been to has said, I'm not really sure how to help you guys, but I'm going to do my best. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much every doctor has done that. So it's it's a rare situation where... You know, we don't know. We honestly are not sure what's going to happen in the next year or five years, 10 years. I mean, her brain might shift over. Um, But right now, uh, it's as as good as it's ever been. Um, She's almost completely back to center line. So her brain is kind of like shifting back to center. But there's always going to be that void there. Mm. Let me ask you, uh, Megan, when you see your daughter in a life-threatening situation like this and she bounces back as best as she can at the moment, does, mm-hmm. it, does it bring the two of you closer together? 
Oh, yeah. Um, both of my children have struggled. Uh, my son was born with his intestines on the outside. Wow. It's a rare... <laughs> I've had some heavy cards. Uh, it's a rare birth defect, and it affects like one in 5,000 babies. Um, so I watched my son struggle. Uh, he, we were in the NICU for about three months. And then, you know, I popped Brooklyn out, and I thought, you know, good to go. She looks great. I didn't screw this one up. And then... <laughs> And then we found brain cancer when she was three. So um, I think I'm a different kind of mom. I love really hard. Not that moms don't love hard, but uh, I would do anything to save my kid. I would do anything. I would break the laws and I would, you know, I would kill for my kids. I would do that. And so watching your child slowly suffer, you feel so helpless. Uh and honestly, any glimpse of hope is what you'll grasp onto. And it's, it's nothing I would wish upon anybody, what, what, we've, what we've seen, what we've gone through. Megan, you said, uh, you said you didn't screw this one up. Do you feel guilty about what's happened to your kids? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, as, much, as much as people tell me that it's not my fault, um, and, I, and I know it's not my fault, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because if that happened to you, you'd feel the same way. You know, there's, there's always that, you know, why me? Um, but going through everything that I've been through, I think that, I don't know, maybe I was chosen to walk this road. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big believer in higher powers, but I do believe in the universe. And I think that, you know, all of us have a, a set destiny and a set road that we're supposed to walk. Um, this one has not been easy. Uh, and I've been judged a lot through it, but at the same time, I don't think anybody could do this as gracefully, you know, and maybe just maybe this happened to my kid because, you know, I think outside the box a little bit. When you say you've been, sorry, when you say you've been judged a lot by whom? Oh, well, you know, just giving your kid cannabis. I mean, you know, a lot of people judge you on that um, until they're in your shoes. And then they realize that it's really the best option you've got. I mean, uh, I've been judged for that um, about how much I gave her. Um, Somebody gave me a hard time because I wasn't giving her a whole gram a day. Uh, And it's really easy to judge when you're not a parent or it's not your kid. It's really easy to judge. But. You know, I've, I've always done what's best for my kids, even if it's not best for me. You know, I, I, I do what I have to do to make sure their life is good and happy. And, and if someone judges me for it, then okay, so be it. <laughs> yeah, the hell with them. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't, I, I would never want to pass these shoes on to anybody else. But I tell you, if I did, I don't think they would handle it with such grace. I really don't. Now, with the shunts in uh, Brooklyn's uh, brain how long mm-hmm. how long do they keep those in well they're supposed to go in and be in there for like life however oh. brooklyn's first shunt um uh, it was placed uh right next to her incision and so one night brooklyn like picked at her scab and exposed the shunt tubing mm-hmm. so the next morning we had to do emergency brain surgery they had to pull the shunt out and put a new one in and then one day you know, like six months later, Brooklyn vomited. She was acting totally fine, but she vomited. And we took her 
to the emergency room per protocol for shunts and turned out her shunt was overdraining and her brain was hemorrhaging and she had a huge blood clot in her brain. Um, any other kid would have been in a coma, but luckily Brooklyn had that void. So we had a lot of extra room in there for the blood clot, but uh, this is actually her third shunt. And um, this is an adult size shunt and they give her extra tubing so that she can grow with it. So Fingers crossed, knock on wood, this is our last shunt, I hope. God, I don't know how you deal with this. It's not easy. But, you know, life happens. Adversity happens to everybody, right? I mean, we're all experiencing it right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can't control everything. All you can do is, I guess, handle it as gracefully as you can and laugh through it. Humor's been, humor's been a good friend. How do your son and daughter get along? Oh, really well. They get along really well. Um, my son, um, he's a very patient child. Uh, he's had to deal with a lot watching his sister, um, you know, almost die. We've had a lot of hard conversations. Logan is very empathetic. He's a very empathetic child. So he sees, you know, sick kids and he's, uh, he's the first one to run over there and play with them. So, I think it's been a great lesson for him uh, going through this. Um, Brooklyn is not the easiest sister to be around. She's very abusive. Uh, she hits a lot. She can't control her emotions. So her rage, um, we deal with rage a lot. <laughs> but Logan is a very good brother and he loves her and he spends as much time with her as he can. But I know he needs breaks every now and then. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a great kid. Yeah, he's he's pretty great. I mean, I don't know when this when this all happened. We kind of it changes your perspective on life. So when Brooklyn got sick, we kind of took Logan out of school, and at the time he was in kindergarten. So we took him down to St. Jude with us, and we were there for three or four months. Um, and so Logan got to be around other sick kids, and I think that. That is one thing St. Jude really gave us was that they kind of normalized cancer for us. And and they gave me uh, friends that their kids have the same diagnosis as Brooklyn. So that kind of, I guess, normalized it for us. Megan, without cannabis, where do you think Brooklyn would be today? If we didn't have cannabis, Brooklyn wouldn't be here. Brooklyn would not be here. Um the uh, the chemo that they gave your kid, it's designed designed to slowly kill you, and that's that's what was happening to Brooklyn. Um, I, you know, her skin was transparent; you could see her veins. Uh, without the cannabis, I I don't see her her being here at, at all. I I mean, I was planning her eulogy. I cannabis gave me the miracle that we were looking for. And uh, I will forever be an advocate to that plant, forever. Do you know what? In the future, you have no idea the benefits that may accrue as a result of using cannabis. Because, quite frankly, there are no downsides. There are no downsides at all. And you might be pleasantly surprised in a few years that Brooklyn's behavior becomes more normal and uh, and she's uh, she's a thriving adult. Yes, I uh, I have a lot of faith. I think um, 
I think I have so much faith in that plant. It's uh, it's a little scary, but I, uh, yeah, I use it for everything on her. Um, I make lotion and I make her edibles and I try to get it in her body as much as I can because I really do believe that it's changing the dynamic of our situation. Um, I don't know what I would have done without the plant, to be honest. Uh, I wish that more parents would see it as an option because I've seen so many children pass in the past year and I know what it feels like to be that, to be that desperate and to feel that alone. I know how that feels. And, you know, as a parent, you want to save your kid. You want to save your kid and doctors look at you, I hate to say this, but they look at you as a number and you're just a patient and they're not as connected to the child, obviously, as you are. Mm-hmm. You want to save your kid. And I think that if people looked at cannabis as a treatment, that they would give their kids so much, so much quality of life. I mean, these kids are on this planet for a second. We're all on this planet for a second. And I quality of life is so important. I don't want to see another kid in that hospital die in that hospital bed. I don't want to see that. I, I want kids running around the yard playing and, and eating food. You know, that's mm-hmm. my daughter did a, a full 180 in a week. She's running around outside playing water balloons and eating, actually asking for food. That's a big deal. And I think that more parents should know about it. Do you consume cannabis yourself? Yes. Yes, I do. I didn't start until I was 30, though. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I, I started much later than that. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> right, Corey? You know yes, Ian only started after he met me a few years <laughs> ago. Good right. for you, Corey. Peer pressure is good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think it's absolutely fabulous. And uh, has this put uh, – what you've gone through is just horrific. And you and your son and your daughter, has this put pressure on your relationship at all? Oh, yeah. I mean – Anybody that walks through fire, you're going to come out different. You're going to come out burnt. Um, And then you have to reevaluate how that person is, who that person is again. Um, But, you know, we walk through hell together. And, uh, you know, you're going to stumble when you get out of it. But my husband and I are doing really well. Um, We definitely had a a bit of a hiccup during the chemo or right after chemo. it's really hard. It's it's a really hard place to be in for for any couple. Marriage is hard, anyways, Ian. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Yeah, I and know. Have- I'm uh, I'm on my third one, so. Really good for you. I'm on my second. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm on my third and last one. Oh, good for you. Yeah, yeah my glad. wife and I are just yeah, we're uh, we're extremely happy together, and uh, it's it's great. No, um, I think your story is is something that uh, we're going to share with the world, and uh, it gives people an option. You're right. Cannabis should be there as an option for parents and should be an option yes. there for anyone, regardless, yes. of, regardless of their age. And uh, I, I hate that we don't have medical freedom. Like, you know, I've, I've seen so many stories where parents have lost custody of their children because they tried to give them medicine. Yeah. I hate that. It's it's ridiculous. It should be another treatment option, especially for our kids. If we're only giving them 4% and we're not putting in the work to look for actual, you know, drugs to help cure this, then why can't we give them cannabis? 
Well, I've said this before and I'll continue to say it. It's all about money. That's all yeah. it is. It's not about yeah. health care. It's all about money. And quite frankly, it's not really about health care. It's about uh, alleviating symptoms. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And they'll, they'll give you another pill to counter that side effect. Um, whereas, you know, you can just use this plant and it takes care of pretty much everything. Yeah, great. You can't patent a plant, Ian. No, that's right. Anything you'd like to say in conclusion, Megan? Um, I'm completely honored that you guys asked me to do this. Uh, I will forever be an advocate for cannabis. Um, it saved my daughter's life. And uh, I'd, love, I'd love to share it on a wider network. I'm so glad you gave me the platform to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we thank you because you've got a wonderful story to tell. We appreciate it. Thanks very much. And we'd like to thank our listeners for supporting us and sharing our podcasts with others who would benefit from hearing these testimonials, like the one we just heard with Megan, about healing power of cannabis. Corey and I receive emails all the time from people who have healed themselves or a loved one with cannabis after listening to our show, and that is amazing. That's exactly what we want to do to help others. Now, we want to continue to bring these podcasts, and to do so, there are costs involved. Right now, we bring in enough just to cover administrative costs, but Corey and I volunteer our time, and Ron Zahar also generously donates his studio time and his time editing these podcasts, and we'd like to thank Ron very much. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. You can become a monthly supporter for as little as $5 a month on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash CannabisHealthRadio. You can also make a one-time donation through our website, Cannabis Health Radio. And the other way you can help is to keep spreading the word about our show. Write a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcasts and share the podcasts on social media. You just might help save a life. And we encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and share that with others who think may be interested. And we'd like to thank Mark in Belgium who posts our podcasts on YouTube. We're very grateful for your support. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like 
their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.